0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of Behind the Steel with you for another episode of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday Morning Podcast as a part of Behind the Steel Curtains Network of Podcasts. Hope you had a great weekend. If you're a father out there, hope you had a great Father's Day. I was back in Wheeling with my family, got a lot of golf in, not going to talk about that, played pretty well Saturday, not so great on Sunday, but that's how golf is. You're addicted, you just got to keep on coming back, trying to improve. But the one thing I want to talk about is that because I was on the road and because I was not in my normal conditions for recording, I was unable to get the Monday morning conversation that I had set up recorded. So I apologize, but I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that I'm going to get you that conversation where I'm working with the individual that I was going to have on right now to find an alternate recording time. And I'm trying to get you that by the end of the week. I'm really excited about it. And so I, ho- I think you're going to like it. So today though, <clears throat> we're going to break it down old school. And when I say we're breaking it down old school, it means that it's just you. It's me for 30 some minutes talking about all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, we always talk about the news first, and there wasn't a lot of news. Actually, there was no news. There was no news, and that's a good thing for Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Like I always say, during these six-plus weeks of the summer, you don't want news. You don't want to hear about a player getting in trouble off the field. You don't want news about an injury that happened when a player is training. You don't want that kind of news. And so when I say there's no news, that's a good thing. But I did find out something pretty interesting, And this all stemmed from a video that was on Twitter. Pittsburgh Steelers released these. They've been doing these one-minute-long videos on on their official Twitter feed. And it's all about their rookies, getting to know the rookies. They'll ask them what's their favorite food. And if you listen to what Yin's talking about, they highlighted several of these. It was a hysterical conversation between Kyle Kreiss and Greg Benevent. Make sure you check out that podcast every single week. Go back and listen to last week's because it is just that good. And the most recent one, they asked these players, what is your favorite movie of all time? And you had someone say uh, it was Remember the Titans, and that's great. And then who gets up there? None other than Kenny Pickett. That's right, 20th overall draft pick, Steelers first round pick. And I got to be honest, if I was on the fence about Kenny Pickett, I'm not on the fence anymore. Why? Because he answered the question. They said, Kenny Pickett, what is your favorite movie? And what did he say? Wedding Crashers. I gave an air fist bump. I said, that is my guy. I went on Twitter. I quote tweeted it and said, I might just have to buy a jersey now. I think it's awesome that Kenny Pickett, he seems like a yinzer deep down. Uh, he definitely seems like a frat guy. I was in a fraternity, so I definitely feel like I got a connection growing with this guy. If he can turn out to be a really good quarterback, that would just, that would clinch it. It would clinch it for everybody. But the only other news that happened outside of Kenny Pickett's awesome selection of favorite movie is that he hasn't signed his contract yet. I I gotta be honest, I'm I'm, I'm thinking about this the other day, and I was like, man, Kenny Pickett has not signed his contract yet. He's only one of a handful of first-round picks that have not signed. Uh, it, it's it's just really strange. I'm not sure what the hold-up is. And the reason why it's strange is based on the fact that everyone knows this by now, but under the new Collective Bargaining Agreement, or the CBA, that it's really just kind of you're hashing out signing bonuses and stuff like that. I, I don't know what's taking so long for all the... Positives we had to say about Omar Khan last week about Minka Fitzpatrick, which I talked about that at length on Friday. Go back and listen to that podcast about after signing Minka Fitzpatrick, what's next? I did that show. Go back and take a listen. But for all the praise that Omar Khan got for getting that deal done, I'm still wondering what's the hold up with Kenny Pickett? What is? It just doesn't make sense why they haven't signed this deal under the new CBA. Just it doesn't add up. But hopefully that news is coming this week, in which case we'll have you covered at behindthesteelcurtain.com and as well as our podcast network. Wherever you get your podcast, in case you didn't know, search Steelers or behind the steel curtain. Subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do, so that you do not miss a thing. That's our morning, noon, and PM lineups. Okay, talked about playing in a scramble last week or this weekend, and on Saturday I was in the scramble, got to see a lot of people I haven't seen in a long time, and one of them was a cousin of mine. And my cousin, uh, he said, came up to me and said, Jeff. I listen to your podcast. I check out Behind the Steel Curtain all the time. I love it. It's great stuff. And I said, man, thank you. That's great. He said, but I ask you, what do you think about Kenny Pickett? And so then he and my other cousin Chris, shout outs to those guys. It was great catching up with them. They started asking me and just peppering me with questions about the Steelers. What do you think about Kenny Pickett? What do you think about Brian Flores? What do you think about Mike Tomlin? I mean, it's on and on and on. And I'm answering the questions. And the one thing I said, and I answered this in, in terms of when they asked me, how do you think this season is going? What do you think it's going to look like? And that's a lot. That's a common question for a lot of Steeler fans is what is this season going to look like? And I, I answered it in a way that I said, you know what? I should dive into that topic more on my podcast. And it is, I answered it saying, I think they're going to have to kind of win like they did in 2019. And they said, oh, okay, all right, that makes sense. That makes total sense. So as the more I thought about it, because everyone goes back to 2019 for one main reason, and that is the fact that Ben Roethlisberger was not on the team. Yes, he played a game and a half. It was in week two against Seattle at Heinz Field in the home opener when he hurt his elbow and was done for the year. So they had him in training camp, and they had him at the beginning of the season, but they didn't have him for the duration of that 16-game schedule. And so everyone always points to that year and says, okay, this is what's going to dictate or tell us what the Steelers will do or what it could look like without Ben Roethlisberger. But before we even get into this, something I just said is something I need to talk about more, and that is they didn't have, or they did have Ben Roethlisberger leading up to that season, leading up to 2019 was the last time the Steelers had been at St. Vincent College, and he was there taking the majority of the reps with the first team uh, offense. It was not Mason Rudolph. It was not Devlin Hodges. It was Ben Roethlisberger. Preseason, same thing. Mason Rudolph got a ton of reps, but when it came to being with the starters, he did not get a ton of reps. It was Ben, and I understand why they did that. You don't put Mason Rudolph or Devlin Duck Hodges – Into training camp or into a preseason game because well you just never know if Ben Roethlisberger is going to tear every ligament in his elbow and require Tommy John surgery after week two that's you don't do that I'm not faulting Mike Tomlin or the offensive coaching staff but the one thing I wanted to focus on outside of those simple facts is that the Steelers are going to have to find a way to win in unique ways now that team finished eight and eight they did not make the postseason they were. On the cusp, they were ready to roll into the postseason until Devlin Hodges, the magic kind of wore off. Mason Rudolph gets inserted back into the lineup. Then he gets hurt in New York. And Devlin Duck Hodges, if I could talk, he comes back in and just, like I said, he doesn't have the magic anymore. Teams have kind of figured him out and what the Steelers want to do. But the defense that year, the defense that year, my goodness, that defense was something. And so that's what I was going to solely talk about today. But I decided to take a look at all of it in 2019. And then we're going to draw some major conclusions and say, what can fans expect in 2022 based on 2019? So hear me out. You might be saying, okay, Jeff, this seems like a stretch. I don't know. The first thing we're going to talk about defense first. We're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball first. After the break, we're going to talk about the offensive side. And then we're going to talk about what we as fans can expect from the Steelers in 2022. So let's start with the defense. And I want to talk about first, before I give you any statistics, and talk about how good that team was in a lot of ways. I want you to remember some of the names that were on that defense. Because a lot of those names are gone now. But players that were there in 2019, you had Stephon Tuitt. You had Steven Nelson at cornerback. You had a much younger, more vibrant Joe Hayden, Bud Dupree was there, Vince Williams was still on the team, Mark Barron, that's a name that we haven't heard in a while, right? Anthony Ciccolo, Mike Hilton, all those players I just named, no longer on the, on the defense. That's a lot of players, too, at Nelson, Hayden, Dupree, Williams, Barron, Ciccolo, Hilton, but then you had players like Devin Bush playing as a rookie. So, yes, they acquired Minka Fitzpatrick in 2019. He was inserted into the starting lineup against San Francisco in California in week three. And I wrote this, and I think I said it on Friday's show. I'll say it again here. I was still stunned at the fact that after Minka Fitzpatrick signed his new contract, he was asked about you know playing free safety, and he said that that week three game was the first time in his career he has played free safety just free safety for the long haul, meaning he wasn't getting moved around. He wasn't put into the box. He wasn't playing strong safety in some packages. He wasn't playing slot corner like Brian Flores had him doing down in Miami. And so Minka Fitzpatrick, he gets the, he's, comes on board and he is kind of the ultimate straw that kind of stirred everything up for the Steelers in 2019. But maybe you don't remember 2019 that well. You might remember the Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges experiment, but maybe you don't remember how good the defense was in 2019. Let me run you some statistics down, okay? We're going to do the basic general stats. I'm not going to dive deep into specific statistics. That's gonna, If Dave Schofield wants to do that, I'd love to hear hit that, that Stat Geek podcast, but for me, we're going to stick to the basics. Like they say in Varsity Blues, stick to the basics. All right, defense. Total yards surrendered per game. That was fifth in the NFL that year. Passing yards per game, they surrendered 194.6. That was the third best in the NFL. When it came to rushing yards per game, this might surprise some people, and and we're going to draw some conclusions big time with this. They surrendered 109.6 yards per game, which was 14th in the league. So if there was a weakness there, it was obviously in rush defense. Points per game, that defense gave up 18.9 points per game, which was tied for 5th best in the National Football League. So when you look at the overall rankings for that defense in 2019, fifth best total yards, 3rd best passing defense, tied for 5th in points per game, 14th in terms of rushing yards allowed per game. That's a top 10 defense right there, folks. You do it all up, add them all up, average them out. That's a top 10 unit, if not close to top five in the NFL. But that defense did something else that was very, very special, and that was their ability to take the ball away. When you're talking about turnovers or takeaways for defense, they had 38 takeaways in 2019. You heard that correct, 38 takeaways takeaways that was first in the NFL the most takeaways in the National Football League was by the Pittsburgh Steelers they had 20 interceptions and 18 fumble recoveries for a total of 38 now they finished the year with plus eight in turnover differential plus eight folks that defense for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2019 was flat out special And it almost felt like once Ben Roethlisberger was lost for the year, that the defense said, we're going to have to do this ourselves. We are going to have to put this team on our back, and we're going to have to get the job done ourselves. We can't rely on Ben Roethlisberger to be the magician, to be the guy that comes back in the fourth quarter, that finds a way to win. We cannot sit back on our laurels and expect that to happen. We have to go make it happen. We have to win these games ourselves. And yes, when it comes to takeaways, they do come in bunches. And yes, when they're talking about takeaways, you cannot bank on those happening every game. But boy, did they find their way into getting those more often than they didn't in 2019. But to go back and look at these numbers one more time, You look at the over total yards. I think that is one of the most overrated, you know, yards, total yards. And for some reason, they always look at that as how they rank defenses. I find that that's who cares about that statistic. In my opinion, I look at points. I look at points per game and the Steelers only giving up 18.9 that year. That's something to talk about. That's something special. Keeping teams off of that number 20, that 20 point total that's pretty tremendous. That is pretty tremendous stuff. And what's scary is if you think about as all we talk about 2019 being without Ben Roethlisberger, when you think about how it could look or it could have looked if Ben Roethlisberger hadn't gotten hurt, that's pretty scary. We can't play that game, though. We can't play that what-if game. He did get hurt. The Steelers didn't make the playoffs, but that defense, it wasn't on them. I'll tell you that right now. It was not on them. It was on the offense, most likely. And that's what we're going to talk about in the second half of this show. We're going to dive into the 2019 offense, and then we're going to talk about exactly what this all means for the 2022 team coming up as they report to St. Vincent College on July 26th. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. fans second part of the show it's Monday typically this is the Monday morning conversation I sincerely apologize about not being able to deliver that to you this week we will be back with that like I said I'm going to try to get that interview done later in the week we'll see if it doesn't fit it'll be next week we'll get it done don't worry about it but we're going to talk more about this 2019 season because I was going to just talk about the defense I was going to just talk about that defense and then I thought I feel like I'm doing the fan slash the listener a disservice because there's more to that 2019 season than just a really dominant defense. A defense that the worst ranking was 14th, and they surrendered 109.6 on the ground. Raise your hand if you would be okay with the Steelers improving their rush defense to only surrendering 109.6 on the ground. I can't believe I'm doing it, but I'm raising my hand. So now let's talk about the offense. I think this is valuable, but before we do that, well, let's talk about the, the team that they had. And we did this with the defense, all the players that weren't there anymore. Well, let's talk about the team. Well, that offensive line was different. I mean, David DeCastro was still there. Ramon Foster was still there. Marquise Pouncey was still there. Um, I believe Alejandro Villanueva was still there. I don't think Marcus Gilbert was there, but that offensive line was pretty much intact. This wasn't the 2021 offensive line where you felt that whoever was a quarterback was going to be running for their lives no matter what every time they dropped back. We know that Devlin Duck Hodges was a rookie. Mason Rudolph was essentially a rookie. He did not play at all his rookie season in 2018. Didn't even dress for a game. He basically stood there in street clothes, holding a clipboard, and listening to the calls on a headset in his rookie season. And so it was in his second year that he finally started to get some play, and it was because of the injury to Ben Roethlisberger. Randy Feetner was the offensive coordinator. Welcome to Randy land. We all got that experience. James Conner was the running back. Juju Smith-Schuster was still a dominant player um, or was a dominant focus, focal point of the offense. James Washington was still there. Hey, remember Johnny Holton? Yeah, he was on the team in 2019. So was Vance McDonald, Jalen Samuels, just some names from past players. But when you think, look at the statistics. So in that year, it was pretty dismal, not going to lie. This offensive performance was pretty dismal. James Washington was the leading pass catcher, leading the team in receiving yards. James Conner, I'm sorry, James Washington, if I mispronounce that, I'm sorry if I said the wrong name. James, James Washington was the leading pass catcher. James Conner, with 464 yards, was the leading ball carrier. 464 yards led the team in rushing in 2019, and Mason Rudolph, at 1,765 yards, led the team in passing. And th- This is Mason Rudolph. Yes, he did miss a couple games because of the concussion uh, when uh, oh good Earl Thomas, there it is, Earl Thomas with that vicious head-to-helmet-to-helmet hit on Mason Rudolph, left him unconscious at Heinz Field against the Ravens. So he did have to deal with that, and he did suffer a shoulder injury later in the season, and that ended his season early. But that's what we're talking about here. And did I mention that Randy Feetner was calling plays? Now, not that Matt Canada blew the doors off everyone in 2021, but we all remember night 2019 and 2020, Randy Feetner was, it just wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. If it if was any, any way that we could describe it, it would be predictable. Dave Schofield used to get so mad and he'd come over to my house and watch games and he'd say, I know exactly what play they're running based on the substitutions that they made and the formation they're coming out of the huddle. And he was right. He was calling the plays sitting on my couch. He knew exactly what they were going to do. That's the one word. If someone says, Jeff, if you can sum up the Randy Feetner experience in one word, it would be predictable. And I think that's worth noting when you're talking about the offensive performance of that season. They didn't have Ben Roethlisberger to lean on. Just like the defense said, we don't have Ben to rely on bailing us out and finding a way to make a big play when it matters the most. They didn't have that. The offense didn't have that. So what did they do? They just did the best that they could. They did the best they could with what they have. Let's look at the numbers. In 2019, same stat stat lines for the defense that we just talked about. Yards per game. 276.8. I didn't even give rankings because every single ranking was in not just the bottom third. It was close to the bottom of the barrel. We're talking 29th or worse basically for every single offensive statistics so I didn't even list them we're just going over whole numbers here so again yards per game 276.8 passing yards per game 186.3 rushing yards per game 90.4 and points per game 18.1 read those again I think it's worth going over those again how bad that was 276 yards per game, 186 passing yards per game, 90 yards rushing, and only 18.1 points per game. I said with the defense. I agree with the offense that I think yards per game is the most overrated statistic. Show me points per game. Show me a team that can really put points on the board. That's where I dictate whether a team is good or bad or a unit is good or bad. And when the defense is giving up 18.9 and the offense is only scoring 18.1, that tells you a lot. That tells you all you need to know, in my opinion, about that offensive unit. They struggled. They struggled. And they struggled without Roethlisberger. And one of the areas they struggled the most was turnovers. The Pittsburgh Steelers turned the ball over 30 times in 2019. That was tied for 28th in the league. That's not good. They had 19 interceptions and 11 fumbles. But they did still finish with a plus eight turnover ratio, but that was because they led the league in takeaways with 38. So let's talk about this a little bit. Let's talk about what this means for 2022. Because you might be sitting there listening or walking wherever you you have me in your ears, in your car on a commute, in headphones, earbuds, on a treadmill, cleaning dishes, I don't care, getting your kids breakfast in the morning, however you're listening I want you to think, and you're probably thinking already, what in the heck does 2019 have to do with 2022? I'm going to go all the way back to what I said I was talking to my cousins about. Is that in 2022, in my opinion, the Steelers are going to have to win in a very similar fashion than they did that year. They're going to need a defense that is more dominant. I would love nothing more than for the defense in 2022 to be a top 10 defense. And I think they could be. I really honestly think they could be. When you look at the pieces that they have in place, the big concern, everyone has the concern, is can they stop the run? Last year, and I know that Tyson Alawala was out, but can they stop the run? Can the additions of a Montrevious Adams with an entire offseason in Pittsburgh be that much better than what we saw last year? Is Isaiah Loudermilk with a year under his belt, is he going to be that much better? Is Chris Wormley, after starting so many games last season and having his best career performance as a pass rusher, is that going to pay dividends? Can T.J. Watt continue to back up his defensive player of the year season? It doesn't matter who does it. The team and the unit as a whole is going to have to play better. They're going to have to be in the top 10, if not close to top 5, in a lot of defensive Categories, if they're going to win like they did in 2019. The big onus though, because I do think this defense, even though a lot of people say, well, Jeff, they're cornerbacks. They don't have the Steven Nelson and the Joe Hayden that they had in 2019. I understand that. But the one thing I think about is that I like Terrell Austin and his defensive philosophies taking over. I like the thought of Brian Flores really putting his stamp on on the defense. I'm going to trust that they can make some changes, some adjustments to make that secondary work. The pass rush, who am I to second guess the pass rush? I know Keith Butler's not there, and Keith Butler has been the number one constant since Dick LeBeau retired. I'm looking at this defense, and I'm saying they have a ton of, yes, the dreaded P word, potential They're going to have to put it all together. They're going to have to stay healthy at some key positions like outside linebacker. But I think this defense could be every bit as good as 2019 and they're going to need them to be as every bit as good as in 2019 if they can stay healthy. But then I look at the offensive side of the football. You know, we talked about Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges, Hodges being a rookie, Mason Rudolph, essentially being a rookie. They don't have that this year when you still have Mason Rudolph in the mix. Mitch Trubisky is still there or he is there now. I should say, Unless they go with Kenny Pickett, which I wouldn't be against, and I also wouldn't be upset with, because if they go with him, he actually has outperformed everyone else. He's the only instance where you would think, wow, they're gonna have a very similar situation in two thousand that than they did in two thousand and nineteen. Not necessarily sure that's the way it's going to work. Well, let's say Trubisky or Rudolph gets the starting nod in week one. You have more experience immediately. You have more experience, you have a player that's been in the system, getting a lot of those offseason reps, Trubisky, Pickett, Rudolph, they all have. And so you're immediately having an upgrade over the year that Roethlisberger took all those snaps in in preparation for the season and then gets hurt in week two. But when you talk about the yards per game, passing yards per game, rushing yards per game, I mean, there's one number. I'd love to see the rushing yards per game be averaged over 100. We all would like that. But ultimately, there's two categories the Steelers need to do better in. When you think back to 2019, points per game, you got to be north of 20. (laughs) You have to be north of 20. And then turnovers. You just can't give away possessions. Not with a team like this. And if the Steelers' defense is fortunate enough to take the ball away, you can't give it right back. So the question is not so much who's going to be the quarterback. We all want to know. But to me, it's who, in terms of quarterback, will not make that horrible play, that horrible decision that all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, my gosh. Give me an example of a play that makes me want to pull what little hair I have left on my head out. Red zone turnovers. Red zone turnovers. You just can't do it. You're giving away points, whether it's a field goal, whether it's a touchdown, does not matter. Red zone turnovers – break a team's back and when you have the defense that the Steelers do you have a feeling that they're going to keep you in most games so if the Steelers can run the ball better if they can protect the football and those were the two categories that I was really hoping to see a massive amount of improvement in outside of points per game I think they're going to be very very competitive but even on Saturday when I was with my cousins they all wanted to know well is that going to equate to wins though? Yeah, they're going to be in games, but can they win games? Well, there's a lot of question marks, and we've talked about those question marks a lot throughout this offseason. The question marks of Terrell Austin and Brian Flores and their fingerprints on the defense. What's it going to look like? We don't know. Will the Steelers, after a year without Stephon Tewitt, now that they know he's not coming back, are they more and better equipped to take over and actually say we can get this job done better, meaning stopping the run, than we did in 2021. We don't know. We won't know. Offensively, whoever the quarterback is that takes over for Ben Roethlisberger, are they going to be good enough to actually put points on the board, to win games, to be dynamic at times, and to find a way to make just one or two special plays? I don't think anyone out there with a realistic lens of this team is expecting – any of these three quarterbacks to come in and be able to make Ben Roethlisberger-like plays. You may not like Ben Roethlisberger in the waning years of his career. You might have seen the writing on the wall that it was time for him to be done. However, I think it's very important to note that even though in those waning years, or even if you're just looking at last season, Roethlisberger still was able to make some big-time plays in big-time moments that got the Steelers into the playoffs. And that's worth noting. And so I'm not asking for Ben Roethlisberger here. I'm asking for someone that can come in, protect the football, and make plays when they present themselves. If you remember 2019, there were a lot of plays where, especially with Rudolph and a quarterback, wide receiver would be open, and he would just miss him. Just miss him. Maybe it was an overthrow, or maybe it was an errant throw. A little bit short. Those type of mistakes, they're backbreakers. You want even more proof here? Go back to the Detroit tie last year. Mason Rudolph in the red zone, third down. They th- they, I remember they ran it. They didn't run it once. They threw it three straight times. Mike Tomlin was highly criticized, as he should have been. Mason Rudolph had a wide receiver wide open, and he and he, and he skipped it to him. I want to say that receiver was Ray Ray McLeod. He skipped it to him. That's one of those moments. That's one of those times where you have an opportunity, it presents itself, and you didn't cash in. What you need from that quarterback, whoever it is, the plays when they present themselves. So to put a bell on this, I think this Steelers defense in 2022 can be every bit as good as 2019. It's going to be up to the offense to be able to take what the defense gives them, meaning not the opposition, the Steelers defense. Okay, they forced a three and out. Can the offense actually put together a drive? Put together a drive, put points on the board. That's the big question, and hopefully we get answers sooner or later. It'll come. But as I said in the last few podcasts, this summer months are going to be tough. These weeks, it's going to be tough until the players report to the training game, and then we get some real news, some real tangible news. So make sure, I can't stress this enough, make sure you're going to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Steelers. And on top of that, wherever you get your podcast, you can find all of our content anywhere you get your podcast by searching Steelers or behind the steel curtain, subscribe, follow whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. That does it for me. All right, that does a wrap on Monday. I hope you got a good start to your week. Hope you had a great weekend. I will be back on Wednesday for the mailbag, so make sure you're looking out for that tweet. Follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I'll put that out Tuesday around noon. Ask the questions. I will give you the answers in the mailbag segment. Until next time, folks, as we always finish it out, be safe, be kind, and God bless. You burn it all